And uh, we're in Colossians. So I hope, hopefully I've given you enough time to find your place in Colossians. And we're continuing from last week uh, in this specific section of verses 9 through 14. But by way of recap, because I see a lot of new faces out here this morning, by way of recap, here's what's going on in Colossians. Paul the Apostle is the writer. He's writing it sometime around A.D. 61, 62. He's under house arrest. He is in Rome. He's going to write three letters. He's going to write the letter to the uh, Ephesian church. He's going to uh, write a letter to Philemon, who is a member of the Colossian church, and he's writing a letter to the Colossians. Those are the three letters he's penning during this time. Who's with him? Well, he has Timothy is with him. His young disciple who's a pastor, he's getting ready to launch him out as well to pastor a church. He also has with him a young man by the name of Onesimus. Onesimus was a runaway slave. And guess who he ran away from? He ran away from Philemon. He ran away from the people here in Colossae. And so guess what God did in his providence? He puts Paul in his path. Paul leads him to Christ. He becomes a born-again believer. And he says, hey, look. I'm going to send you a letter. I'm going to give you a letter. I want you to take it back. I want you to take it back to Philemon. You're brother now. All right? And so in that letter of Philemon, I hope you're reading it. I hope you've read it. If not, I encourage you to go home and read it. And you'll, you'll get a bigger picture of what's happening in this area during this time. And so he's to go back with Tychicus and take this letter to the church at Colossae and also to Philemon, whose home they're probably meeting in. Epaphras is also there because Epaphras is the one who left that area. He had traveled with Paul for a couple of years, came to know the Lord in Ephesus most likely, and uh, is probably the pastor of the church at Colossae. And so um, he is there as well because he's reporting to Paul, hey, church is doing good, but we got some issues. There's some things that are happening. We've had some folks who've come in and brought some teachings, and I want to get your thoughts on it. Paul's like... Yeah, I'm going to address this because some of the problems that were creeping in, you had this mystic teaching that was very common. I mean, there's a lot of paganism that's going on around that region. Think about, again, when you read Ephesus, you see what happened, the, the big uprising, revolt, and stuff that was going on there. Um, and so there's a lot of paganism that's happening. But there was also a lot of uh, a population of Jews in this little area of Colossae. Um, and so there was Judaism that was trying to creep its way into the church. Oh, yeah, Jesus is good, but you still need to keep the law. You still need to be circumcised. And so there's all this kind of stuff being taught as well, kind of uh, uh, amongst the believers there at the church. Those are a couple... Angelology. I mean, they were worshiping angels. You know, there's this angel worship uh, was being taught there as well. And so there's a lot of this Jesus plus stuff going on. And Paul's going to address that. And that's why he writes this letter. Those were concerns. Guys, those are concerns today. And don't think it's not visiting a church near you. Newsflash. I'm sure if we were to all have an open interview around the room, we might be surprised at some of the things people hold to even in this room. I'm not naive to that. And so it's, it's, it's important that as Paul is going to do in defending the faith, as Paul is going to do under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he is going to highlight the truth. And the truth being in Colossae, Christ is preeminent. That's the thing. Christ is preeminent. He's to have preeminence in all things. And, and, and when we think about our recent study in Hebrews, isn't that exactly what was said by the author of Hebrews? Hey, angels are good, Jesus is better. Hey, Moses is great, but Jesus is greater. Hey, Levitical priesthood, that's good stuff, but Jesus is the great high priest. 
This is what it comes down to, guys. When we want to defend against the isms of our day, the philosophies, by the way, Paul's going to hit on this, be careful of vain philosophies, the wisdom of man. You all believe stuff in this room. You believe stuff in this room. And based upon what you believe, you act on it. Don't let anybody tell you, well, I don't let my religion influence my decisions. Liar. They're they're not telling you the truth. You do what you do based upon what you believe. And beliefs could be categorized as religion. I'm just saying. What you believe influences what you do. And so, as we look at this, it's important that we recognize Christ is to have preeminence. The deity of Jesus Christ is what's under attack. And so to defend against the isms of Paul's day and our day, we need to understand who we are in Christ. We need to understand who Christ is, first and foremost. We need to know the basic fundamental of the gospel. For by grace have you been saved. Through faith. It's not of works, guys. It's not about this practice or that practice, what you do or what you don't do. It's about what's been done on our behalf. It's what we have in Christ. And if you know Him today, you need to understand who you are in Him so that these fiery darts of the enemy can be quenched, every one of them, with our shield of faith. The shield of faith provided. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And so with that said, let's dive into, I want to read this whole section just to recapture uh, what Paul is saying as he writes this letter. Verse 1 of Colossians 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world. It is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so from the day we heard, we've not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Father, I pray this morning 
that as your word is expounded upon, that the Spirit of God would have preeminence here in our midst. Lord, I pray that you will remove all distractions, that you will grip our hearts with truth, that you will make us attentive, that we'll draw near to you. Your Spirit will draw us close, Lord, that we might hear of you, that we might behold your face. And so, Lord, have your way, and we'll give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Last time as we went through this, um, and by the way, you, you, I know Pastor Nate's happy this morning. He probably just noted I read from the ESV. There you go, Pastor Nate. I've made, I've made, a, I've made a, a leap of faith into the ESV. Actually, the truth be known, I left my New King James at home. But anyway, um, my study was in the New King James, so we're going to look up here and see the passage. Uh, these are the passages I just read uh, through here. But you remember last time, this is where I left you hanging. Because we, this is the tough thing when you go through a book study. You get to a stopping point, and sometimes it's not necessarily the best break. <laughs> well, when I broke last Sunday, uh, as I was going out, somebody was like, uh, uh, Pastor, you, you, you didn't tell point number five. And, and my OCD kicked in at that moment, too. Because it's like, I said five things, and then I left you with four. And so, for those that were at the meeting after church that stuck around, you got the fifth point. Um, and so for those of you who've been dying all week and you've been like, you know, out of sorts all week, yes, you've been <laughs> spilling your coffee like my daughter did on me this morning as I was coming out the door. It's Sunday, right? No, it wasn't her fault, honey. It wasn't your, It was an accident. Um, but <laughs> my, the, the pastor's kids always get caught out in sermons. It's all good. Five things. Here they are, guys. This is where we left you last time. Fully pleasing him in every way. That's in verse 10. Now think about it. Paul's been writing these things and he says, look, I'm praying for you. And here's what I'm praying for you about. I want you to know the will of God. The will of God's not a mystery. You know, we, we want to try, oh, if only I knew the will. Guys, you know the will of God. He's, he's laid it out in Scripture. I don't need to ask for a sign. An adulterous and wicked generation seeks after a sign. Okay? I got the word of God. God has told me everything I need to know to live a godly life and a life that's pleasing to Him. I have a hard enough time with what I do know about the Scriptures. Don't give me any mystical mysteries that i got to solve. He wants us to be fully pleasing Him in every way. This is what Paul's praying for the people of Colossae. This is what your pastor prays for you. This is my desire as a pastor. I get Paul. I understand this. Those of... Uh, Pastor Nate, Pastor Dean, those are pastors around the room. You, you, pastor Craig, you guys know. You know your heart as a pastor, as a teacher. Man, you, you want what the Apostle Paul has taught us. We need to mature in the faith. We want people to grow up in the faith. We want people to understand God's will. I've not arrived. I am a student. I am a student, folks. And I'm desiring to draw near that I might be able to fully please Him in every way. Not by my works but by the finished work of Christ, that my life might be found in Him, that I might walk in the light, as we're going to see in a little while. Because I've walked in darkness long enough. And I don't know how it is in your house, but if I walk in darkness in my house, there's a couple of things I can guarantee you is going to happen. Okay? Oh! Corner of the bed. Mm, right? We've done that. And it always splits that toe, don't it? Just right there, that one. Man, I can't stand that. Or in my house, there's also, just saying, just my house is a little different than yours, there's also occasionally this. Ooh, oh, really? Who didn't take care of the cat? <laughs> or the dog? Yeah. 
or the worse beyond those two. Ah, Lucas, I told you to pick up your Lego. <laughs> right? Those who have Lego understand that. That's a painful one. I saw a competition now. They blindfold these guys and they walk over Lego. I mean, really? It's a dad sport right there. I've walked in darkness long enough, guys. When Jesus Christ arrested my heart at age 25, He brought me out of darkness into light. I don't care to walk in darkness anymore. That's where we stumble. That's where we're guaranteed to hurt ourselves, to hurt others, to fall, to slip. And so... I want to walk in this way. And so Paul's laying this out. He's praying for this. He's encouraging them. He wants them to bear fruit in every good work. Guys, we looked at, at John 15. Go back and revisit if you've missed it. John 15 says, you know, abide in me. Let my word abide in you. You will bear much fruit. And he says, this is how your joy may be complete. That you would bear much fruit. We need to be fruit bearers. That's what God's desire is for us, church. And so... These are the things. Increasing in your knowledge of God. And that, again, was what Paul highlighted here. He prayed this, that we might increase in our knowledge of God. And that was a specific. It was more of an experiential knowledge. It was this idea of, of, of not just knowing about His Word, but knowing Him intimately, personally. And that, that experiential knowledge. So, uh, then we looked at being strengthened, verse 11, uh, with all might according to His glorious power, for all patience, we talked about that, about uh, the idea here is when you get testings and trials, and we're all going to get testings and trials, and, and <laughs> I had a confession moment. I don't always abide up underneath that. You know, sometimes I want to find my way out, and, and I know I'm probably not alone in that. When life stinks, problems are coming at us, it's crushing. It's just like, oh, I just want out of this. I want out of this moment. I want out of this situation. And we're oftentimes looking for a way out when really what God's desiring to do is say, be still and know that I'm God. Sometimes I just need to abide under it and say, okay, God, what, what are you doing here? I don't get it. I don't understand it. This stinks. Uh, it's, you know, it's okay to say that. It's okay to pray that. In fact, God needs you to say that. He wants to say, he, you to say that. He, he, because it, it shows our dependence on Him. I can't get out of this on my own. I can't solve this. I don't have the wisdom. Help. And so he's praying that we would be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. For all patience. Long-suffering <laughs> with joy. Woo! Wow. Yeah, I got to work on that. What's the old memes going around, you know? i got to inform my face, you know, because oftentimes our face are very telling. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, walking worthy. This is where I left you hanging last week. My apologies, my apologies. The fifth one, giving thanks. So see, you had to endure under patience, right? And so now you can give thanks. But notice verse 12, and this is where we'll pick up today, giving thanks, and you'll see here in the text that he says, um, giving thanks... To the Father. I'm going to stop right there. I mean, that in and of itself, we could just have a springboard service right now of testimony. In fact, that's what I actually had thought about doing. And last week, Danielle texted me like in the 11th hour and says, Hey, what about doing some testimonies? And, and this is where we were going to be. And I think I might have told you, or maybe I didn't. I don't know. Uh, but it was like, you know, this is, this is where we're at. This is a great place of testimony. 
Giving of thanks. So I want you to just, for a moment, right where you're at, not out loud necessarily, what are you thankful for this morning? What can you thank the Father in heaven? By the way, all good gifts come from the Father above. You know that, right? What are some things this moment, right now, Lord, thank you for that. Father, thank you for this. Take a moment. I want you to just kind of offer that right now, just, to, just sort of a moment of meditation. In fact, let's just bow our head, close our eyes for a second. You know, the Apostle Paul is making it clear here in this text. There is one thing, if you're sitting here today and you are a believer in Jesus Christ, there is one thing that we should be able to give thanks for. Notice what the text says. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of of the saints in light. Guys, we can be thankful that we've been delivered. We've been redeemed. We've been qualified. What does it mean to be qualified? Well, in order to be qualified, there's this idea that maybe you're unqualified. Newsflash, we were all unqualified. Every man that's ever walked this earth, that's walked, talked, breathed, that's been upon this earth with the exception of one man. And that's the man Jesus Christ. He is the only exception. Well, let me back that up. Adam in his original form, the first Adam, was perfect. He failed. He rebelled. And because of that sin, because of his disobedience to God, and by the way, say, so, well, if I'd have been there, I would have, no, you wouldn't have. You're represented in Adam. Adam is you. Eve is you. And mankind rebelled against God. And death is a result of that sin. And it's through that sin, death entered into the world. And because of that one man, Adam, death has passed to all man. Guys, that's why you will attend funerals in the next year. This is why people die. This is why your bodies are breaking down and decaying. There is sin in the world. We are under a curse. It's death. We are born deprived. We are born in deep depravity. We are born spiritually dead. You're not alive spiritually. You want nothing to do with God. You want everything to do with flesh. That's me and you. From the womb to the tomb. You want to pursue what you want to pursue. We are self-centered by nature. Our desires are what we want to do. We walk in darkness. We do not see. And the Bible tells us that the little g-god of this world has blinded the minds of those who are perishing. 
Paul says, you too once were children of wrath. You too once were children of darkness. And unless something happens to penetrate the darkness, me and you die in the darkness. But give thanks to the Father who loved the world so much that He gave His only begotten Son. He stepped down into the corridor of time. Jesus Christ comes into the world enrobed in flesh, born of a virgin, lives a sinless life. Light, the light that lights mankind, read John, came into the world. But man loved darkness rather than light, so they wouldn't come to the light. Jesus was desiring that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. He offers His life to whosoever will let Him come. He goes to the cross. He dies a cruel death sheds His blood for you and me because of the sin that we're possessed by and trapped by. Guys, lying doesn't make you a liar. You lie because you are a liar. You murder because you are a murderer. Well, I ain't ever murdered anybody. You have hated. You have hated in your heart. We've all had that moment of, oh. By nature, guys, we're in darkness. But the light of the gospel, the glorious light of the gospel, yes, the little G God of this world has blinded the minds of those who are perishing. But unless the glorious light of the gospel should penetrate the heart, people won't see. But when the glorious light of the gospel penetrates the heart and people turn from their sin and turn to the only name under heaven by which to be saved, when we look to Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, that's when we can be born again. That's when we can have the Holy Spirit indwell us and seal us until the day of redemption. That is when we are set free from the bondage. The power of sin. The penalty of sin. The power of sin. And one day the presence of sin. We're new creations in Christ. Praise God. That's worthy of giving thanks, isn't it? Paul is wanting the people of Colossae to understand this, to know this. And so he writes this to them to encourage them. Church, I want to remind us this morning, we're called to be salt. I love what Oz Guinness said. He said, our faith is to be integrated, not fragmented. You know, I think what part of the problem is, those of you sitting in this room, those of you listening via podcasts or, or watching uh, uh, via the Roku channel, I'm afraid too oftentimes us believers, we compartmentalize our faith. Oh, church is what we do on Sunday, and we go live our life. Guys, if that is your understanding of the gospel, you have missed the gospel. That's religion. The gospel is to transform you. It's to change you in the way you think. That it penetrates the depths of the heart, the very being of who you are, so that you live differently. There's a reason I'm no longer in the lifestyle once was. It was because, as Paul's going to write here, we have been transferred out of darkness into light. Therefore, we should walk in light. The Apostle John says, I, I, I love to hear that my children walk in truth. We're to walk in truth, guys. Not compartmentalize it. Well, yeah, yeah, this whole, this whole being honest business is fine around family and friends and church, but in my business dealings, I got to be cutthroat. No. Our faith is to be integrated, not fragmented. It affects the very heart of who we are. It changes us. So the three things that we see here in this text that Paul has written to us, and I want to kind of close out on this section today. 
the three things that we can give thanks to God for, the three things we can give thanks to God for is He qualified us, verse 12, He delivered us, verse 13, and He conveyed us, 13b. Let's unpack this. Let's talk about this. See, here again it says, Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Now, in the original Greek, I want you to understand this phrase here where he says he's qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. The idea here is, and our English translation doesn't capture it well, that he's qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. We want to put focus on the saints. Guys, that's the problem with modern worship. It's man-centered. It's not about you. You know, the greatest Christian hits of the day. It's all about me. No, that's not how the song goes. Lord, I lift my name on high. No, that's not the songs we sing. That's what it sounds like in a lot of churches, isn't it? <laughs> I could go on and on, but I will not do that to you. The actual focus of that sentence, if it was translated in which the one word used, it would be the idea that, that we're partakers of the, the saints are partakers of the inheritance in the light. So what we need, what we desire, what we want, the inheritance that awaits is in the light. Oh, I know a song I could sing, Faith. I want to be in the light. Oh, sorry, that's DC talk. Carver's getting crazy back there. I know, you want to do, yeah, sorry. As long as it's not Jesus freak. We, we don't, special music. I know, save it for karaoke, brother. He's delivered us, right? He's qualified us, he's conveyed us. So what's the idea? The possession of our inheritance is in Him. Christ is the light. Christ is the light. He is to have preeminence. He is the focus. He is the one. And so we can give thanks because He's qualified us. The Father has qualified us because of the gift of His Son that we might be partakers in that inheritance. Well, let's, let's talk about it then. The word partakers means to share. Christians are partners with Christ. To as many as receive Him. Talking about Jesus. Have you received Jesus today? Can I get a witness? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, if you have partaken of Christ, if you are in sharing of Christ, if you have received Christ, you are partners with Christ. As many as receive him, to them he gives the right to become the children of God. You're a child of God. What a song, right? We're a child of the king. That's who you are. By the way, we could have talked about the word saint. Do you know uh, almost all major religions have some form of saint? They define it wrong. Don't think it wouldn't define wrong in that day. whether it's Buddhism, Islam, they all have a type of saint where they receive worship. Even Catholicism has saints that you can pray to, patron saint of. And so again, this idea of looking to someone else. No, 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 the saint's not the focus, guys. 
Christ is the focus. Yes, we are saints according to the Word of God, but biblically defined, it means we're in the light. It means that we're partakers of who Christ is and what Christ has given to us. It's to God be the glory. He alone is worthy. Christians are partners with Christ in that. Christ is the heir of God. Hey, let's look at that real fast. Everybody turn over there to, real fast to Hebrews uh, 1. Hebrews chapter 1 in verse 2. Notice what it says. But in these last days He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. Hey guys, it's all Christ. It all belongs to Him, right? To God be the glory. He qualified us. Heirship is based upon sonship. Turn over to Romans. This is a great passage. Everybody backtrack over to, to, to Romans. Roll on over to Romans, please. You know how it is when you're working with a Bible you, you're not used to working with? It's kind of awkward. Anyway. Romans 8 That's what happens when the JWs and Mormons show up at your house. You know, because you're half asleep and you're like, oh, oh, man, I better get my Bible. And then it's like you can't find the one you want. Well, I don't know how it is in your house because like in America, we all have like four or five different Bibles on the shelf. But anyway, I'll go with this one. Romans 8, 12 through 17. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. Guys, part of following Christ is suffering, isn't it? I mean, part of the patience that we endure in this life, the abiding up under and the trials and tribulations that you go through and the things you're facing that it's like, oh, when's this going to end? Guys, you are a partaker of the suffering of Christ. There's great reward in this. Christ himself suffered. And you will share in the inheritance. You know, we're accepted in the beloved. Let's go over and look in Ephesians, and we can cover these other two. So uh, Ephesians, if you need help finding Ephesians, go eat popcorn. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Some of you were ready to take off to the gym. I, I, you were getting hungry. Uh, that's how I remember Galatians. I go eat popcorn. Ephesians. Look in verse 1. 11. In him... 
we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. We're told in, uh, on up above, if you'll jump up above there, you'll notice in verse 6, by the way, you read this whole section, it's excellent, as all God's Word is. But notice verse 6, it says, uh, To the praise of His glorious grace, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. Some of yours may say, accepted, you are accepted in the beloved. This is one of the passages that I use often in counseling when people come and counsel because a lot of times people just, you know, we live in a day that maybe they don't, they, they've gone through some stuff and they kind of feel unworthy, they don't feel accepted. And, and guys, I want you to know your worth is found in Christ. It's not found in what you have done or don't do. Your value isn't because you blew it and you messed it up and therefore you're a failure. That's not who you are. You are a child of the King. You are in Christ forgiven. You in Christ are a, a royal priesthood. You are an ambassador. You're a holy nation. These are terms of who you are in Christ. And so we are accepted, not because of who we are and what we do, we are accepted because of who He is and what He's done on our behalf. And that's worthy of us giving thanks. Amen? And so we're accepting. Salvation qualifies us to inherit God's kingdom. So Paul says, look, praise be, thanks be to God the Father who's qualified us. He's qualified you. You're qualified this morning. Congratulations. You're qualified this morning. Praise be to God. Jesus Christ gets the preeminence, amen? Because I don't know about you, I was tired of walking in darkness. And He delivered us. Notice what it says. He's delivered us from the power of darkness. Notice verse 13 here in Colossians. What does He say? He says that He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us from the uh, from has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. And guys, that's not something future tense. You know, oftentimes we come at this uh, as if it's something like, oh, you know, when we get to glory. And that's the problem I think in a lot of churches today is we we do this sort of you know, um, pray this prayer, ask Jesus in your heart. Do you ask Jesus in your heart? Do you mean it? What does that even mean? Is Jesus going to like stick out? I hope so. <laughs> Guys, He has delivered us. Not just future tense. Not just past tense. See, we get them justified. We get them saved and that's where we leave them. Jesus has not only delivered you from that penalty, the wages of sin is death. If you get what you deserve, you deserve death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So when we are justified, when we repent of our sin and put our faith and trust in the finished work of Christ and we cry out to the only name under heaven by which to be saved, when we turn from darkness and turn to light, when we repent of our sin, when we put our faith in Christ alone, I can't do anything to change my condition. Only Jesus can. Jesus, save me, please. 
justified. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not guilty. Boom, justified. Then that sanctification process begins to happen. God begins to chip away at us, to transform us, to change us, to convey us from darkness into light because He wants us to look more and more like His Son. With every step of the way, we should be growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to know His will, to do His will. He came to rescue us. That word deliver means to rescue us. We were drowning. Guys, this is if you're drowning in in the ocean and there's no hope, there's no help, and then all of a sudden there's a lifeline tossed to you. You didn't toss it to yourself. You couldn't get it. It landed. God's grace landed on mankind when Jesus penetrated this earth, stepped into time, and redeemed us through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. That's His grace. He came to rescue us. He not only came to rescue us from that penalty of sin, but the power of sin. And so as we walk in light, as we learn the truth, as we begin to hide His Word in our hearts so we won't sin against Him, He begins to transform us. He begins to change us. We begin to look different. We begin to act different. We begin to talk different. We begin to live different. There's a reason... Pastor Jeremy doesn't spend time at the bar anymore drinking. Hear me, church. I've been rescued from that. I'm not going to sit here and preach about liberty in Christ. But let me just say this loud and clear. Because I think it needs to be said. We're living in a day where lawlessness is growing. Read the Bible. Don't take my word for it. Read the Bible. If you have a problem, it's not with me and what I'm about to say. We don't need more lawless practice being glorified and exemplified. We need more holy living being lived out. And that's for me too, guys. But there's a reason I'm not glorifying the things that I was rescued from. Johnny Hunt did a great message. We, we did it here one time. He's a teetotaler, by the way. If you don't know what teetotaler is, uh, I'm getting soapbox right now, okay? Let me have the soapbox for just a minute. We'll get back to the text. He's a teetotaler. And I'll never forget what he said. He says, yeah, you might have a liberty to take a drink. But keep this in mind. People are watching. People are watching. And do you want to be responsible for the one person who says, well, so-and-so, brother, so-and-so, sister, so-and-so can do this. I guess it's okay because they're a youth leader. They're they're a a server in the church. They're a representation. They're a leader. They're, they're, they're They're a good Christian. And they probably are. So it's okay for them. And that one person who can't have the liberty that you got, stumbles into sin, becomes the drunk, becomes the abuser of their home, becomes the person who kills the family on the drive home because they were drunk because of their liberty in Christ. I don't want that on my shoulders. I've had friends who have died through the abuse of alcohol. I should have died many times because of the abuse of alcohol. And yet we want to put it out there as if it's okay. Glorify it. I'm sorry. This one hits close to home.
I was rescued from that gutter. And I look at my family and I give thanks to God. We've been rescued from the power of darkness. Let's get out of the power of darkness and walk in the power of the light. We've not just been justified. We're being sanctified. We should walk in the light. And one day, praise God, we're going to be glorified. We're going to be delivered completely from the very presence of sin. Amen? I mean, no more in this struggle. No more having to hear hour-long sermons from Pastor Jeremy. Hallelujah! Hey, y'all weren't supposed to laugh there. He conveyed us. What does it mean to convey us? It means transferred. It means brought us over. It's a word used in the ancient world when one empire took over another. Think about this. When one empire took over another. Remember what we talked about, the word gospel earlier on? I love the, the words that Paul's using here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, of course. Remember we talked about the word gospel means to, to herald them when there was a victory. When, a, when, a, when they would conquer, they would say, you know, victory! You know, there was this great Victory, this gospel, this heralding of the, of the, of the word. And, and, and so the idea here is that we've been transferred. We've got victory. It's, it's victory in Jesus. He's transferred us. He's brought us over. This word, when the empire took over another, they would transfer it lock, stock, and barrel to their land. The inheritance belongs to the victor. King Jesus is the victor. And you and I share in the inheritance. He's conveyed us. So we're transferred from what to what? I'm going to run through these quick because I've got about five minutes and then we're going to get you out of here. Not in five minutes, but I'm going to run through in five minutes and then we're going to get you out of here. All right. Four things transferred from and to. He transferred from darkness to light. All right. You see this here in the text. He's transferred us from darkness to light. He's transferred from the enemy's kingdom to the kingdom of the Son. Because again, as I talked about it earlier, we walked in dark. Paul says, look, you too once were children of wrath. We too, and this is important, and, I, and this is, I'll be honest with you, I struggle, and I hate that I struggle with this, because if anybody should, shouldn't struggle with this, it should be Jeremy Varner. I should not struggle with this, but then there again, I recognize that's God teaching me something. But I hate that because of what I came out of, because of what God rescued me out of, I think of the passage where Paul says, he goes through a list of people that won't inherit the kingdom of God. Drunkards and, and, and adulterers and fornicators and you know, homosexuals. And he goes through this long list of things. And then he says what? And you too once were these. You know, sometimes if we're not careful, and again, this is my medicine I'm taking, because we want to pendulum to so far to the other side and in, 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 in getting away from what God's delivered us from, and rightfully so, I find myself not struggling with the unbeliever who, who battles in that. I have, I have great grace for the unbeliever who battles with the things I battled with. That's not where my beef is. My beef is with the church who professes Christ, the person who says I'm a believer and struggles in it. 
And, and, and again, that's where God's help, got to help me, right? Because I wasn't raised in the church. I don't understand why church people would do the things that I used to do in darkness. I just don't. And so I, I have a short fuse sometimes with that. So that just gave you a little insight psychology, even though we don't believe in psychology, unless it's Jesus' study of the soul. I didn't say that. I do believe in psychology. I'm like, I didn't know that. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Transferred from the enemy kingdom to the kingdom of the Son. We've also been transferred from prison to redemption. Complete release based on the payment of a price. Woo! Man, and that price, guys, was not cheap. Complete release based on the payment of a price. Jesus has redeemed us. He shed his blood. He died. He suffered shame on a cross. My shame. My shame. He transferred from condemnation to forgiveness. That's what he's done. He's transferred us from, from, from condemnation to forgiveness. Forgiveness is, is no longer, we're no longer a condemned criminal. But like a prodigal son that's come home, that's who we are. Guys, John 3, and when, when Nicodemus and Jesus are having the conversation, Jesus says to him, well, let's, let's read it real fast. Let's read it real fast. Everybody go over to John. John, Jacob, Jingleheimer, Schmidt. John 3. And you'll notice, in, we'll just go 16 and follow him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already. Why? Because he's not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and the people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Man, what a great passage. What a great passage. Guys, we've been transferred from the condemnation. So how do we conclude this? Let's wrap up this section. Going back and looking at chapter 1 and what Paul has prayed for. Paul prayed about the things that matter. Church, let's pray for the things that matter. You know, we talked the other week. It's not that we don't want to pray for Aunt Bessie's toe. Aunt Bessie's toe needs healing. Let's, let's pray for Aunt Bessie's toe to be healed. But too often times, that's where we spend our efforts of prayer. And I think we need to really be storming the gates. Uh, uh, we'll, let's go first to the grace room uh, and, and receive the power needed to go out uh, with the gospel. 
because the gates of hell are not going to prevail, guys. We've already been told that. You know, our theme this year in our kids' clubs that I shared with, with our Olympian leaders and workers in training was this, that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So therefore, pray to the Lord of harvest that He'll send forth laborers. We are those laborers. Stop waiting for somebody else to do the job. It's your job, church. It's your job. It's my job. These things matter. Souls matter. And so let's pray for those things. Just as Paul was praying for the people of Colossae. He prayed that they would have an increased knowledge of God and His will, leading to a pleasing walk before the Lord. There's a reason I don't drink, chew, or go with girls that do. All right? I've been delivered from that. And, and by the grace of God, I'm learning. I'm having my mind renewed. I'm washing it through the water of the Word. No, I've not arrived. You see my flaws every time I speak. Even when I don't speak. <laughs> but isn't God's grace good? Amen? But I desire, I want to because of the desire He put in me. Because of who He is. He is worthy. Paul prayed that they would be strengthened so that they could have steadfastness and even rejoice and be thankful during the time of testing. Don't know what you're facing today, but let's be thankful. You've been redeemed. He wanted them to be reminded of their position in Christ. You're qualified if you're here today and you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you're qualified. If you're here and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've never repented of your sin and put your faith and trust in Christ, let me say this loud and clear. You are not qualified. There is a day that you will step out of this world. And let me tell you, young people, death is no discriminator of persons. It's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. We all will stand before a holy God. You will either stand qualified or unqualified. If you're here today and you're not qualified, you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, in just a moment, I'm going to open up an invitation for you to respond to the gospel. Jesus desires that you be saved. The question is, will you stay in your sin or will you repent of that sin and turn to Christ who can and will save you if you will put your trust in Him? He will qualify you. Church, you're delivered. You've been established in a new Eternal kingdom. That kingdom is at work now. It's growing in your heart and life. Yes, one day it will be here physically. One day the Lord will return and establish a kingdom. But in the, in the meantime, His kingdom is expanding. It's in your heart. He is Lord of your life. He should be. He, he, he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He should be the King of your life and the Lord of your life. He's delivered you. And He's conveyed you. He's forgiven you. Isn't it good to be forgiven? It's because of our position in Christ that we pray knowing God's purpose and power in our lives. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. It is truth. It transforms. It changes us. Lord, have your way. Have your way, Lord. Help us to simply yield. Help us to... Die to self. Help us to surrender. That's the word that comes to mind. I think of in my own life. And Lord, just oftentimes that you bring us back full circle to the cross. You bring us back to the gospel. The gospel is not a one and done. It's a daily 
And so, Lord, here we are again at the foot of the cross and, and crying out for help and crying out for need and, and, and the desire to surrender. Lord, help us surrender what we need to today. Whether it's a burden somebody's carrying, uh, whether it's animosity, bitterness, anger, frustration. Lord, I don't know. I don't know what everyone in this room, what baggage they have, but I know this for certain. That can be laid down at the cross of Calvary. And that is your desire. You said, cast our cares upon you because you care for us. Lord, if there be anyone here that doubts your love today, I pray that they will understand this verse. That even while we were still in our sins, Christ died for us. That's how you demonstrated your love. Lord, let us never question that you love us. We are accepted in the beloved. We are children of God. And so, Lord, my prayer today, right now, is there's someone here in this moment who's unqualified. I want to ask that the love cords of the Holy Spirit will draw them, speak to their heart, that they'll see, I need to be saved. I, I need to put my faith and trust in Christ. I, I'm in darkness and, and I need to be in light. I, I need Christ. I need Christ to rescue me. I need Him to throw me a lifeline. If that's you and you're here today, no one looking around. If that's you and you need Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're in your sin. And if you die today, you would die and step into an eternal hell. There is a real hell, guys. A real hell. And it's eternal separation. It's eternal torment. This is the way the Scriptures describe it. But God's not willing that any would perish but that all would come to repentance. Today is your day of salvation. Today is the day where you need to repent of your sin and put your hope and faith in Christ alone. And if He's speaking to your heart, if the Spirit of God is speaking to you in this moment, I want you to simply stand. Yes, Jesus, I hear you. If that's you, simply stand for Jesus. Lord, no doubt I see the struggle in some hearts. It's evident. Draw them. Salvation belongs to you. No need to manipulate. No need to continue giving an invitation. Your sovereign grace is sufficient. And I trust that your sovereign grace will continue to pull on the heartstrings of those in need. Lord, thank you for qualifying us. Thank you for delivering us and conveying us. And if that is you, I want to ask you to stand for Jesus now as we close in prayer. Would you stand if that's you? Stand to your feet. If you know Christ is your Lord and Savior, stand to your feet. Father, thank you again for the power of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to those who believe. And Lord, it's good to be amongst these believers today.
go with us now as we enter the mission field. I pray for Wednesday. Lord, help us this in the next few days to reach out to kids, young people, and encourage them to come be a part of what, what's going on here at Community Baptist Church. And Lord, may you continue to have preeminence in all that's done. In Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.